Hi, Podcast Brunch Club. A quick thanks to our organizational partners, The Ven, which puts out a weekly list of hand-picked, nonpartisan political podcasts that makes it quick and simple to learn more about the big political issues surrounding the 2020 U.S. election. Critical Frequency, an all-women-owned and operated podcast network for independent creators and those who are often overlooked in mainstream media. Podchaser, the IMDb of podcasts that offers amazing search and list creation. Listen Notes, a powerful podcast search engine that also offers list creation. And Audioboom, a podcast network featuring funny, inspiring, entertaining, and thought-provoking podcasts. Go find these companies. They are great for both content and discovery, and they support and give back to the listener community. If you're an individual or an organization and you want to support the amazing listener community, think about becoming a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash podcast brunch club. Hey, everyone. My name is Jenna Spinelli. I'm one of the leaders of the Podcast Brunch Club virtual chapter and the curator of this month's playlist on breaking the news, which you can find at podcastbrunchclub.com slash breaking news. The playlist looks at changes to the ways that we produce and consume news these days. And my guest today is at the forefront of those changes. Joined today with Erica Mandy, who is the host and creator of The Newsworthy, which gives listeners a rundown of the day's headlines in 10 minutes or less every weekday. Erica, welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Hi, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me on. So anyone who listens to The Newsworthy can tell pretty quickly that you are a seasoned news professional. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how the show got started? Sure. Thank you for saying that. I went to college and studied journalism and did that whole thing and then worked my way up within TV news and spent over 10 years as a broadcast journalist on TV, um, first in a smaller town and then eventually Los Angeles. So I most recently worked at the CBS station in LA. And then I realized that I felt there was something missing in the news options for people that I was talking to and, and decided to create it. Yeah. So given your background in broadcast journalism, did you think about YouTube or maybe a more visually oriented medium before settling on a podcast? You know, there were a couple of reasons why I decided on a podcast. One of them was this idea of being on the go. We all have so many screens around us. There's so much happening on our mobile phones and we have to be staring at a computer all day. And my vision was that you could be listening to something on your commute to work or while you're getting ready in the morning and have this option that you don't have to stare at another screen, but you can get informed while you multitask. So that was one of the things that I personally loved about podcasts. I actually got into podcasts because I was commuting over an hour to work because I was in LA, you know, LA traffic. So that's the value that I saw in podcasts. The other reason is because of just the lack of resources that you need to get started. As an independent journalist who left the corporate world of news, um, I didn't want to have to do all of the equipment, all of the setup. And we're talking about a daily show that I started doing by myself. And so to do the video aspect is just one more thing that you have to do. So it was mostly because I saw the value in podcasts and I also saw how much podcasts were growing. I looked at some of the trends and saw that there was a lot of potential there. And if I could get in 
while it was still not quite mainstream, then there was an opportunity as more people got on board for them to immediately find the newsworthy. So there were a couple of reasons. Yeah, sure. And uh, so when did the show start and how has it evolved since then? Yes, I feel like it's evolved so much. Um, So I launched nearly two years ago. It was the end of August of 2017. And yeah, we're coming up on, on two years. And it's evolved mostly through having somewhat of a team now that I can have help me and make sure that this is sustainable because the first year I was really doing it all by myself. And after a while, you burn out. So I'm I'm proud to say that I have, you know, two writers and an editor, and we're really building the team because the audience has continued to grow, which allows us to bring in more money through sponsorships. And then I have a lot of exciting things coming up still. I'm working on a new membership model that provides new benefits. You know, the future holds live events and other opportunities that we see other podcasters doing. And I really view the newsworthy as providing you quick information in whatever platform you want. So in the future, I could see it going to video or other platforms, virtual reality, who knows, as long as it's kind of that same idea that people can get quick news in a fast, fair, and fun way. The other exciting thing is I'm now starting to plan new shows and building out the entire network. So a lot has happened in two years, but I I'm no, I'm, feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah, no, that, that's so great that you you have that team now. I can only imagine what it's like trying to produce a daily show all by yourself every day. So that's awesome that that you have some some people behind you now. So is it safe to say that that your listeners are not news junkies, so not people who follow reporters on Twitter or, you know, maybe get a couple of different other types of, of daily briefings in their inboxes or through through other media throughout the day? Yeah, I think there's two types of people that are listening to the newsworthy. One is they aren't news junkies and they feel really depressed and overwhelmed by the typical news and they just want to feel informed, be part of the conversation and listening to the newsworthy gives them that and they can walk into work feeling like they know what's going on. The other group is they want that overview in the morning and then they'll dig into more stuff later in the day. So I think there's room for both and I definitely encourage people if they want to learn more about stuff and the news stories in that day show to go and dig deeper. In fact, I provide links to all the sources that I reference on my website and in the show notes in the podcast app so that people can go and see exactly where I'm pulling information and read more if they want to. So what have you heard from your listeners? Have you heard from anyone that that listening to your show has changed their perceptions about the news, maybe made them slightly less depressed about what's going on, or or at least gave them, you know, more information to to kind of consider as they go through their day? Absolutely. And that's really why I've continued. I really, when I set out to do this, I said, let me try this for a year and see if people like it, if if I was right in thinking that there was a need for something like this. And if not, if it's not growing and I don't really hear from anyone, then that's okay. At least I experimented and tried. And it's been amazing to hear from people who say that they're voting for the first time because they finally feel like they know what's going on and it, they're that much more interested to continue looking into it and, and have a say through the voting process, which is amazing. I've heard from people who say, I truly feel feel less anxiety about news and in my mornings in general because I don't have to watch three hours of tragedy on breaking news on my TV. So that is truly what motivates me. And 
people are now starting to come up to me and say, hey, I listen and I feel so much more informed and I'm bringing up these interesting news stories during conversations with my friends and they're like, wow, where where did you hear this? And so they like the wide variety of stories that I'm talking about as well. Yeah. Some podcast brunch club folks may know that my day job is at an institute for democracy and I produce a podcast about democracy. So it it warms my heart to hear you say people are voting for the first time as a result of listening to your show. That's that's really great to hear. So the other there's a lot of talk in the news business right now about the decline of local news. As you may know, subscriptions to the New York Times, for example, are are higher than ever and national media is doing really well, but smaller newspapers across the country are closing. I just uh, saw something over the weekend about one a, a newspaper in in Ohio that closed, for example. So Do you think that something like the Newsworthy could work at a local level or are you aware of of anyone who has done something like that on a a local scale? Well, I know that local news stations are are starting to get into podcasts. The problem is the lack of resources or the lack of resources that they're willing to put into new things. And I get it to a point. I mean, I, as an independent journalist, was willing to take a risk and say, if this doesn't work after a year... I'll stop and I'll pivot and I'll try something else. The problem when, you know, CBS owns the local LA station, they are not necessarily going to hire new people to create that podcast. They're going to expect the same people who are already doing so much and working long hours and crazy hours for TV to, oh, can you do this podcast on the side? And I'm not saying that they've done that necessarily. I'm just trying to give an example. And I think that's part of the problem, whether it's a podcast or something else innovative. If we're not going at it 100% and really figuring out like what does our audience want, because most of the money is coming through the traditional channels, I think that's part of the problem. But I definitely think that something like The Newsworthy could work. Um, I think we have to figure out what does that local market want from their news and provide it to them. I always think about Napster providing, you know, free music. And then when iTunes gave people the option to pay for music, they jumped on that. It was about giving the people the options that they want. And so that's why I started The Newsworthy is there was no option for this kind of upbeat, quick news via a podcast. And so I think it's up to the local managers and decision makers to be looking at what does our market want from us and how can we provide it and go all in? Yeah, no, that's that's such good advice. And I think uh, one of the things that, that comes out in, in some of the episodes uh, on this month's playlist is that uh, news, the, the news business, and especially local news, doesn't do a great job of selling itself, so to speak, of really kind of getting out there and telling people why this is important, why they why, why they should care about it, connecting with with their their market to find out what they want. So yeah, I think that's that's definitely, uh, you know, great advice to kind of get out there and, and find out what people are interested in. And also on the flip side too, um, I, th- I think it's important for folks to connect not only with what's happening uh, nationally, but also with the, the local news in their communities too. Yeah. And I've, I've actually heard from some local news reporters who listen to my show as a great way for ideas, for pitches on when they go into their morning meetings and say, how can this national news story really impact people locally? And let's take that angle from what people are already watching on national news and let's make it even more impactful to them talking about how it impacts the local market. So I think people can appreciate that. Oh, great. Yeah, it's definitely a bright spot there for sure. 
The other thing that this month's playlist talks about is fact-checking, how both news consumers and, and journalists, I think, too, kind of face this onslaught of misinformation. It can it can be difficult to tell what's reputable or, or not. What does that process look like for you as you're pulling together episodes of, of the Newsworthy? What do you and your team do to make sure that the information that you're presenting is accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is we are aggregating from credible news sources already. So I know that there's been a layer of fact-checking from these credible news org organizations. But to take it a step beyond that is I'm not just relying on the one news organization that they did their homework and that they're not bringing any bias to the table as well. I'm looking at a variety of news sources across the internet about one story and seeing what work has each of those different reporters done and how can I pull out the best key, most credible pieces to provide to the newsworthy audience so that they don't have to take the time and the hours of research that my team and I are taking to not only check for factual stuff, but also for trying to bring less of a bias to it because we all have biases. But when you're polling from both CNN and Fox News, you can feel a little bit better that you're providing both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you ever uh, hear any pushback on that from from your listeners about, oh, why are you including this Fox story or, you know, oh, you have too much liberal bias, those kind of things? I haven't had a lot of that yet. I think that we've had some things about why are you putting this story in versus that story? And I have to sometimes explain that we only have less than 10 minutes. And that's kind of part of the goal of the show, that we can't include everything. And we try to bring a variety of news stories to people. So we're not just talking about politics or just talking about entertainment or tech, that we have a little bit of everything. But when it comes to the sources, we really do our best to bring a variety of news sources in and make sure that we are touching on a variety of perspectives and saying, this is how supporters of this bill feel. This is how critics of it feel. And here's what else, you know, even if it's just a couple of sentences to give people that perspective goes a long way. And I think honestly, what I see in even the reviews on Apple Podcasts that anybody can go see is that people appreciate kind of that effort that is going into being unbiased. Um, and, And I try to just hammer that home by providing the news sources again on our show notes so that people can go see what what both Fox News and CNN are saying. And I will say, I can tell a difference that there are, when you're reading whatever the news source is, they might be highlighting a different aspect. It might be the same information, but it's about what are they highlighting off the top of that news story? What perspectives are they giving a little bit more time to? And so I'm just very conscious about, before we put anything live on the newsworthy, I'm very conscious about making sure that I'm giving all perspectives equal time and value, even if that means two sentences each in a show like mine. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I think that there are certainly lots of of fact checking resources and things out there that that people can utilize on their own. But I mean, who has yeah. time to do that in some respect? Right. So the fact that you know you and your team can can do that for them is is really great. So Erica, you've been at this about two years now. You said, and and you know you are the voice of 
the newsworthy. And one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting in another episode on this month's playlist was uh, Michael Barbaro from The Daily talking about how the New York Times has struggled with kind of the succession planning of what happens to The Daily if Michael decides he doesn't want to do it or wants to move on to something else. Um, have you thought at all about that, about what the newsworthy uh, looks like or, or how how it might kind of live on or, or bring other people's voices in into the mix when listeners have been hearing yours for the past two years? Well, it's come up a little bit recently because my husband and I are planning a an international trip that uh, makes me very nervous because <laughs> I don't necessarily want to step away from the business. But I also realize that if this is truly sustainable, that I have to be able to step away for a certain period of time and, and trust a guest host and guest writers. So that's something I'm actually working on now to say, how can I bring on even just a guest host to start? And then as I build out the Newsworthy Network, that's about making decisions. Is that going to be my voice on those additional shows? Or are we going to have other hosts representing various niches within news and what other types of shows that we're having. So that is all still in process for me. And these are all considerations that I'm thinking about as I create the next step for the newsworthy. Yeah. Sounds like sounds like hopefully a very well-earned vacation you're taking here coming <laughs> up. So you, you mentioned the newsworthy network. Can you share anything else about what other shows uh, might be included as part of that? Not yet, because we, we just don't know yet. I, I really want to do some research from my current audience as I look to build that out. I have a lot of ideas, but I'm really going to be turning to my current audience and, and saying, what do you want next? And that could look like an all entertainment fun show that could look like all tech news or all politics. And then, you know, there, there are other opportunities. I've heard from certain people in Canada who want a Canada version or maybe an international, only international news because we don't touch on a lot of international news within the newsworthy. I think there's even opportunities for things that are even outside of news, whether that's career related. The hope for the newsworthy is that it's quick, informative, and people can turn to it on a daily basis for something that they need in their lives. And so I have to figure out exactly what that looks like next now that the Newsworthy itself has grown so much and, and I've gotten such good feedback, but I'm excited for the next steps. And then you've you've also launched a subscriber program as well. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So I think that there are some loyal listeners out there who want to support the show. And it's really helpful for me because I want to be able to turn down sponsors that I think are not a fit. But obviously, I have a team now. I have responsibilities. And so having people supporting the show is a great way to kind of supplement any sponsors that I have to turn down and make sure, A, there's no conflict of interest, and B, that I actually find the sponsors valuable to my listeners. So I just kind of launched the minimal thing for right now that, hey, if you want to support the show, you can get a free coffee tumbler. But I'm working currently on providing new benefits for that and really building it out. So that might look like bonus content, ad-free episodes, additional gifts or merchandise. So that's all still in process. And I should probably be coming out with new benefits in the next couple of months. Well, great. Well, Erica, I think we will leave it there. Thank you so much uh, again for taking the, the time to talk with us today on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And, and again, Podcast Brunch Club, you can find The Newsworthy and all of the other shows at podcastbrunchclub.com slash breaking news. Thanks. 
Hey, Steve here from the Minneapolis PBC with a few credits. First off, please rate and review our podcast on your podcast player of choice. The music you heard today is downloaded from freemusicarchive.org, and this episode featured music from Chad Crouch with their song Rainbow. The ad music at the top of the show is from Ms. Algana with their song Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by a woman I can't praise enough, Adela. Sarah De Silva is our other podcast host, the leader of the Houston chapter of PBC, and the founder of Audible Feast. Thanks to Jenna Spinelli, leader of our online PBC chapter, and who contributed this interview. She also writes many articles for the PBC website. Check them out. And thanks to Pia Piscatelli for all her hard work on our social media feeds. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Steve Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening.